it's good to be here, and, and I'm uh, excited to be worshiping uh, with you uh, this morning, uh, just after a long week, and uh, it's good to uh, get together with the family again. I just want to remind us a little bit where we've been going through uh, Isaiah over this summer. Last week we looked at uh, the king and kingdom who tried to ascend to a godlike status. Uh, looking at Isaiah chapter 14 and this king who thought he could do everything on his own, uh, which is really representative uh, not just of that king, but of all uh, empire that tries to do things on its own and, you know, frankly, all of us who attempts to do things on our own, try and figure out right and wrong for ourselves, uh, try and rely on our own strength, our own abilities, rather than relying on God. And, and, and thinking we can do everything by ourselves, lifting ourselves up only to find out there's nothing holding us up. And looking to the example of Jesus who, rather than trying to exalt himself, trying to lift himself up, trying to, to do everything on his own, becomes nothing, becomes the servant, becomes obedient to death, uh, as Paul writes, even death on a cross. Isaiah goes on to describe the downfall of a number of kingdoms uh, through this section in Isaiah, and it kind of culminates in chapter 24 talking about uh, this city that is going to be uh, brought down. And so this morning, uh, our scripture comes out of uh, Isaiah chapter 25, but really this section from chapter 24 through 27 uh, goes together, should be read together. So if you didn't get a chance to read it before this morning, I encourage you to go home and read these chapters together. It's a, it's a pretty easy read. It's not nearly as dense or as uh, many names thrown in there as the, the previous uh, 10 chapters. Uh, so it's a pretty easy read. But these sections come together. Uh, some folks call it uh, the apocalypse of Isaiah. Uh, these chapters may not fit a technical definition, but they certainly bear some resemblance to later Jewish and Christian apocalyptic writing that, that looks to the future and looks to see what God is doing and, and looks to see where this story of Scripture, this story uh, of the Bible is headed. And Isaiah wants to, to look into that future, and he is going to compare and contrast two cities in these chapters. Uh, the, the lofty city, or uh, elsewhere we'll see the chaotic city versus this new Jerusalem, this new city and this new thing that God is doing. And so as we take a, a deeper look at these uh, chapters, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Would you challenge us, encourage us, uh, motivate us, move us this morning? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Chapter 24 gives us uh, a glimpse into this lofty city. It's not a city that we have a specific name for, and so it's kind of a, a representative city. Uh, 
We see all people being impacted in this city, uh, regardless of class, regardless of occupation, wealth, status, regardless of who they are, who their father is, what, you know, anything about them, they're being impacted by this city who thinks they are great, who thinks they are wonderful, but who ends up living in this chaotic state. Everyone is being impacted. And not only are people being impacted, but creation itself suffers the impact of those who, Isaiah says, transgress laws, violated the statutes, and have broken the everlasting covenant. And so this is a, a representation of uh, humanity who has not lived up to its calling, who has not uh, listened and followed Yahweh, who has tried to do things on their own, and the result is this chaotic mess of this lofty city and all people, all creation uh, suffering the consequences. In Isaiah, these chapters here, we actually see some themes that connect back to the creation story itself. Um, humanity was intended at the very beginning and at the end of um, chapter 1 and, and chapter 2, humanity is supposed to be a steward or supposed to be a trustee of creation. God kind of sets things in motion and then calls his, his image bearers, those that he has breathed life into, has, has separated them and distinguished them as a special part of his created order and has given them the role of continuing to bring uh, order from the chaos, Conti uh, allowed them and, and, and given them the charge of continuing to steward this creation. And yet we have fallen from that God-given role. We have failed to live out our God-given role as trustee, as one who continues to co-create and exercise authority on behalf of others. And because of this, in this lofty city that Isaiah writes about, all humanity and all creation suffers. Isaiah calls it in chapter 24, verse 10, a city of chaos. And the, the Hebrew word there for chaos is tohu. It's the uncreated state of things. Genesis uses this word in Genesis 1 when uh, the writer says that the earth was formless and void. In the ancient Hebrew mind, the opposite of creation wasn't nothing as we think about it. The opposite of creation was chaos. It was everything in, in disorder and, and dysfunction around us. And God speaks into that and brings order out of the chaos. So Isaiah uses that word, that pre-created uh, word, to describe this city, this chaotic mess where, where things are just in upheaval. And it's the opposite of what God had initially created and spoke into existence in the very beginning. So this lofty city actually ends up taking us back to a chaotic, uncreated, unordered state. Another theme that kind of connects us back to the creation story uh, as you read into chapter 27. We see a, a glimpse of Yahweh's battle against Leviathan, uh, which sounds uh, very um, big and, and uh, it's kind of the, the cosmos picture of 
the ancient Near Eastern chaos monster was Leviathan, and which is overcome by God's speaking order into creation and casting down the serpent of Genesis 3. And, and God overcomes the disorder, overcomes the chaos simply by speaking. Other ancient Near Eastern religions had all these kinds of stories of their gods battling it out uh, with, with these monsters, uh, overcoming, spilling blood, and it's out of the, the chaos and, and the blood spilt that eventually uh, creation comes into being. But the, the biblical writers want us to see that God doesn't have to battle anything. God simply speaks and it happens. God simply breathes the word and creation comes. And so it's simply in speaking that Leviathan, the chaos monster of the ancient world, is overcome. So Isaiah wants to, us to see this lofty city where uh, they aren't practicing justice. They are failing to live out their God-given role as co-creators, as trustees, as stewards of God's creation. And all creation is suffering. All people are suffering. Things are just collapsing around this lofty, chaotic city. And Isaiah con contrasts that in chapter 25 with this new Jerusalem, with this new city that finally starts to turn their attention to give their worship back to Yahweh. And all nations are beginning to recognize the lordship or the kingship of Yahweh. Isaiah says that every knee will, or actually Isaiah doesn't say this, later scripture writers will say, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Isaiah wants us to see that eventually the good news is that all nations, all people are hearing the good news of Yahweh, hearing the good news of Jesus coming to their senses, as it were. That there is a refuge for the poor and needy in this new place. A shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. A place of safety and refreshment where everything is the way that it was supposed to be. When, when God spoke into creation and he, and he calmed the chaos. And he spoke order into the world. This is the way things were meant to be. And Isaiah is looking forward and saying it will come to be. It will be accomplished eventually. A place of safety and refreshment. Not a holy huddle for the religiously righteous. But a hospital for the weak and wounded where we come together and are healed in the name of Jesus. And Isaiah writes, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of food trucks. <laughs> okay, he, he doesn't say that. I said last week that's how I'm beginning to imagine this, this feast together. He says, a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, uh, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wine strained clear. It's meant to be this picture of this beautiful meal we share together. 
this lavish meal with no expense spared for us to come and enjoy it together. And all people are being welcomed in to come and sit down at the table, to fellowship with one another, to fellowship in right relationship with Yahweh, to see the world, to see this new city the way it was meant to be. Years ago, um, I had a a friend who started coming to uh, the church that we were at uh, years ago, and he started tying into the congregation. It was another church of the brethren. His kids became a a staple in our youth group, and and we played in in a praise team together. And as he was kind of figuring out this brethren thing, um, or figuring out what what the church was about, about. Um, it came to a point where if you asked him what it meant to be brethren or what it meant to come to that church, he would make some joke about casseroles or carry-in meals. Um, that's something that is very similar here. You know, we, we've got our, our meals that we, I'll, I'll be honest, I miss, right? Uh, of times of, of fellowship, Times of coming together, enjoying good food around the table. Um, That's just a a part of what makes us us. Sharing good food around the table. I've been joking that Spring Creek has become the food truck church. And and i got to tell you that uh, in the last couple of weeks... um, a number of other community organizations and another, uh, a number of other congregations have called or emailed us at the church and said, how do we do this food truck thing? <laughs> and so uh, Missy's starting to pick up a side job of helping people navigate how to invite food trucks. Um, yeah, there are far worse things to be known for than gathering people together and eating together, building relationships with one another. But what Isaiah sees here, this new Jerusalem, or or as John will say in the book of Revelation, the new heavens and the new earth, we repeatedly see this as a feast, as sitting down together and sharing a meal, fellowshipping, being in in communion with one another. It's a beautiful picture. It's joining with people sitting around, having a good time, being with one another, enjoying the best food and the best drinks, enjoying the produce from God's garden. And so eating together isn't just some random fun thing that we do. Every meal we share together is a glimpse or a rehearsal for the feast of this new city. So when we sit down together, it's not just a light thing that we do. There's actually something uh, holy about it. As we gather together, it gives us a glimpse. Isaiah goes on to say that God will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. This shroud that Isaiah refers to uh, was clothing that was to be worn as a sign of mourning. 
things not being right, death and chaos all around. And Isaiah is saying that eventually God will rip off that shroud. That mourning and death will no longer be the way things are defined. It will be ripped off. And so the new city, this new Jerusalem that Isaiah looks forward to is a place where mourning is no more because Yahweh has overcome death itself. And Isaiah writes that all nations, all people everywhere, every tribe, every tongue, every ethnicity, everyone, Isaiah is seeing that the recognition of Yahweh as king or God is not just good news for Jerusalem. It's not just good news for Judah. It's not just good news for for Israel. It is, in fact, ultimately good news for everyone everywhere that Yahweh is king. He says, it will be said on that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation, for the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. I used an analogy a couple weeks ago about um, the way we live, the, the story we speak here at Spring Creek is meant to be a trailer, like a movie trailer for the feature film of the reign of God. And I wonder what things might characterize that trailer, might characterize uh, the glimpse that we give the world. Does that trailer, does does that glimpse look like Isaiah's New Jerusalem? Is it characterized by those same things? Are we characterized as a refuge for the poor and needy? Meeting temporary needs, but then working with one another to realize a wholeness to life to honor the dignity and and the worthness, the the giftedness of those who have run into circumstances or systems or cycles or decisions of poverty? Are we known as a place of comforting those who mourn, not with a, a trite, cheer up, everything will be okay? You know, sometimes... Um, In the church, we just want to be nice. We just want everyone to feel good. But I think real healing comes when we enter into the grief. When we stand beside those who are going through hard times, who uh, are grieving, we enter into that. As Jesus entered into the pain of the world and the grief of Mary and Martha after they lost their brother Lazarus, You know, in that story, Jesus knows the outcome. He knows the shroud will be lifted sooner rather than later for Lazarus. And yet, Jesus weeps. Jesus enters into their grief. Will our trailer, will our theme, will the glimpse that we give to people around us, to the world around us, have the theme of community? of different people of all nations joining together to eat with one another around the table in the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Will people see our life here, the way you and I treat one another, the way you and I 
interact with the people around us and will they see those themes lived out in our life together? I got to be honest with you, I've been wrestling with this scripture and this sermon all week, not knowing exactly what to say, which I found to be a really odd feeling and experience this week, because normally whenever I read, um, you know, this scripture out of Isaiah or, or, you know, Jeremiah's vision of the future, Ezekiel's vision of, of things to come or, or read through uh, John's apocalypse. And I read about uh, new heavens and new earth or new Jerusalem and, and the way things are meant to be. I get really excited. It's really encouraging. And I've just not experienced that this week. And, I, and I'm not sure why that is. But as I kind of reflected on that, why am I not feeling that? I found myself identifying with the psalmist who says, How long, O Lord? How long? We read about glimpses. We read about their visions, the prophet's visions, the psalmist's uh, songs. We, we, we read John's words of the revelation. And yet we look around and see that Everything is not like that yet. We catch glimpses here and there. And sometimes I've found myself this week saying, How long, O Lord? Or as Isaiah writes in chapter 26, amidst a, a song of worship of the coming day, he says, In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the soul's desire. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. But we wait in expectation, sometimes with patience. Honestly, for me, a lot of times, not with patience. And I imagine that Isaiah's audience would have had similar mixed feelings. A hope and an anticipation for the restoration of God's reign mixed with the reality of exile and brokenness and injustice and violence all around. And so this is part of the reason that you and I gather to worship. To remind one another of the good news of the reign of God already and still to come. The reign of God that has begun and is yet to be fully realized. And Some days we come and I remind you of that. And other days we come and you remind me of that. Because sometimes when things don't go right at work or, or we turn on the news by accident or on purpose, sometimes I'm not sure which, I, I turn the news on and we see what's going on. Sometimes I need you to remind me of the good news. To remind me, to remind one another that the shroud will be lifted. The death will be swallowed up. This is part of why we gather 
The reign of God has begun and yet to be fully realized. And so we come and we cry out, How long, O Lord? We come and we gather and we say, Forgive me, O Lord, for times that I've lost sight of your kingdom. We gather and we say, O Lord, give me eyes to see your reign on the move. Give me a heart to demonstrate and to announce your reign as Isaiah did in the midst even of pain, even in brokenness, even in injustice, and a place that often does not look like that new city. Give me eyes, O Lord. And then, in a few moments, you and I will be sent out not to go back to our old way of life, not to go back to our jobs, not to go back to our routines, but instead we are propelled forward into the world looking for God on the move, looking for opportunities to reveal glimpses, ears open to those who are in need to hear and experience the good news. And so I'm planning to ask the same question next week that I did at the beginning of worship this week. Where did you see God moving? Where did you see God moving? You are going to be sent out. Sent out to jobs, to, to school, to uh, grocery places and marketplaces and the things that you do throughout the week. Not just to make it through another week, but to be sent out. Eyes open, ears open, hearts open to the way God is moving and inviting you to reveal glimpses of the new city. Amen? Here we are going to have just a time to stop and reflect. And there's going to be words and uh, on the screen, pictures on the screen, a song being sung uh, out loud. And it's an opportunity for us to just kind of soak in that scripture, to, to soak in the reality of the world that we live in and to think about how God might be calling us to live out glimpses, to show glimpses of this new city around us. And so I invite us into a moment of reflecting on what God is speaking to your hearts right now. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Go, you are sent to share.